Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, we got Ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain. And she streams on Twitch as bleep, block, Ben. I can't say that fast, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, right in TYT contributor. Also, my debate segment, we have Andy Jung. Uh, Andy is supposed to be an expert on communication and tech and freedom of speech, section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. So we got an expert who will debate me on Elon Musk and the acquisition of Twitter. Obviously, this person will disagree with me, should be an interesting conversation. First story of the day. The United States Senate will vote today to preserve the rights of women. Well, isn't that something? They will vote today to preserve a woman's right to choose. This is performative, okay? Schumer knows he doesn't have the votes, but remember, Democrats are going to say, I am outraged. This is the most important vote in the history of the Senate. Really? Gotta be kidding me. You guys had 50 years to do this damn vote. This happened in 1973. Roe v. Wade became codified in 1973. What year are we in? 2022. You all had damn near 50 years to make this your absolute top priority. Remember, the US Supreme Court, they bear the function, according to the United States Constitution, of interpreting the law. That's what they are there to do. They have to interpret the laws that Congress will pass. Well, Congress decided not to codify this ruling into law. They did for other laws, but not this one. The Senate is on track to hold a key vote Wednesday on a bill aimed at preserving access to abortion nationwide. It comes as the US Supreme Court may be poised to overturn the landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling as soon as next month as indicated by a leaked draft opinion. The vote is expected to fail amid widespread Republican opposition to the measure. As a result, the Senate will fall far short of the support needed to overcome the 60 vote threshold needed to pass most legislation in the chamber. There's more. The bill's failure to advance is set to underscore how Democrats are severely limited and what they can achieve with their narrow Senate majority, even as the party faces enormous pressure to take action on abortion rights amid fears that Roe v. Wade will soon be struck down. But holding the vote will give Democrats a chance to spotlight the issue and criticize Republican resistance to passage of the legislation. Can I be very clear? I'm convinced at this point that vast majority of Democrats, they like to be reactionary. They just like to react to things. Now they're outraged, right? Now remember, many of them are on record for agreeing with us. We said from day one, progressives said from day one, they are going after Roe v. Wade, said this years ago. 2019, in the month of May, Alabama passed a ridiculous law that made it illegal in their state for a woman who's raped even get an abortion, giving a doctor who performed it 99 years, a woman 
who obtained it 15 to 25 years and the person who raped the woman only five years. That was law in Alabama until another court overturned that insanity. But this was their aim, their aim, all of these heartbeat bills and everything else was aimed to go to the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh lied during his interview in front of the US Senate when he said this was settled law. Gorsuch lied to the US Senate, all of them lied while they were planning. Republicans have been planning this for years, but we have been saying it. We've been shouting it. We've been telling everyone they are planning to overturn Roe v. Wade. We need statutory dynamics to stop that from happening. We need a US congressional movement. We need an emphasis. We need priority placed right here. But we didn't do it. Those in leadership decided to wait and simply react. Now, should this vote happen? Yes, it's unfortunate, but it should happen. Because while it is performative and primarily political, it will allow at least some level of strategy to be placed on the table against Republicans that oppose it and maybe even a few Democrats. Because the reality is we have a minority of people ruling the majority of this country in a way that's contrary to the majority sentiment. The vast majority of Americans support a woman's right to choose. Naturally, the vast majority of women support a woman's right to choose. This is settled, right? But it's not. I thought the idea of a democracy was to be representative of an expression of community, not to be in opposition of it. But right now we have a ruling minority who has been successful at creating adverse legislation and we're letting them get away with it. There's more. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called the vote one of the, and I quote, most important senators will take. Not only this session, but in this century. This is not an abstract exercise, it is real. And as urgent as it gets, Schumer said at a news conference on Friday, where, where was that energy? Where was that energy? Do you know how many times Democrats have controlled the presidency in both chambers and still did not codify Roe v. Wade into actual law? Here's what I would have done. If you knew that Roe v. Wade was about to be attacked. If you knew the Supremes were lying. If you knew they were going to try and overturn Roe v. Wade. Why is it that Democrats did not launch a significant campaign, a preemptive campaign to rally people around the idea of a woman's right to choose? Why did they not have this? Why not have an advocacy campaign that put corporations front and center where you made corporations go one way or the other. Either you are for a woman's right to choose her right to privacy or you are not, make a decision. And if you are not, then we are saying that women and those that support them should no longer shop with your company. That's preemptive. We didn't even put those strategies on the table. We're just reacting. Anytime you're reacting to someone else, that someone else becomes the guide 
of your entire leadership model when you're constantly reacting to what they do. Who's in charge then? They are. There's more. The Senate will be voting to advance a version of the Women's Health Protection Act sponsored by Democratic Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut. The bill would codify the right to access abortion into federal law and guarantee the right of healthcare providers to perform abortion services. The House passed version of the bill failed to advance in the Senate earlier this year amid GOP opposition. Once again, this happened in 1973. They have had decades to codify this into law. They put no emphasis behind it. And there's a part of me that truly believes they will prefer to lead in this manner because if they can keep making people scared and they can say, "Oh, yeah, you see what happened? You see what Republicans did? You must reelect us to fight them. They're not going to change the damn thing because it's as if in order for them to remain in power, I'm talking about corporate Democrats, they gotta be in reactionary mode all the time. But if you just solve problems rather than reacting to them, you would make the Republican party obsolete because Republicans are contrary to the majority of this country on damn near every subject from education to access to healthcare, access to prenatal care, equal pay for equal work. Republicans on the wrong side of virtually every single political issue in this country. And they're still more powerful than the Democrats who are supposed to be in position to run something. Isn't that ironic? Ben, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to it. I mean, first and foremost, right? People who are anti-choice represent maybe about 20% of the country, right? People who want abortion to be explicitly illegal represent an even smaller subset of the people who are already anti-choice. This is an extremist minority. And the reason why, and this is where it just gets so infuriating, right? Let's be clear about how we got here, about how the right wing made abortion a controversial issue. Because here's the thing, it's not a controversial issue. Most people agree with abortion, but because the right wing committed literal acts of terrorism, there were a bunch of Democrats who were basically scared. And they were like, we can't talk about abortion. We can't talk about abortion because we know how the anti-choice weirdos are and like they like they stalked people at their houses, they bombed people, they stabbed people. That is what the anti-choice crowd was busy doing. And the Democratic Party's response to that is basically to completely stay silent on abortion issues. And specifically, specifically, if you look at like Nancy Pelosi, for example, was out campaigning for Henry Cuellar, who is anti-choice. Yep. And this extremist minority has now gotten themselves in a position where they have a majority on the Supreme Court. They got appointed by presidents who are not representative of the majority of Americans, right? People who lost the popular vote were able to put them on the Supreme Court. And amid all of this, what are the Democrats doing? Now, I'm gonna go ahead and make a claim here. I think that where we were last year, right in the year 2021, we had reached all of the progress Democrats wanted to make, at least Democratic leadership. We had reached all of the progress, right? To them, women were equal enough, queer people were equal enough. We had reached the level of progress that they were satisfied with. So I think that they are giddy, that they are excited. They are happy that Roe v. Wade is being overturned because now they get to see themselves as being the freedom fighters once again, bringing back people's right to an abortion when they're just letting us all go completely backwards. And they're doing this all while they say they're holding up these traditions like the filibuster, these norms. 
all of our Republicans don't care about these traditions. They don't care about these norms. You think these Supreme Court justices care about democracy or representation or historical precedent or norms? You think Donald Trump cares about any of that? It's just a joke and it's pathetic. And the Democrats are playing a game that the Republicans have already abandoned long time ago. That is so correct. And Biden, as I've said before, is an institutionalist. He thinks there's something sacred about the institution of the presidency. So he's not going to do certain things because even though it's legal for him to do, it violates the institution of the presidency. It's not a damn thing sacred about that institution. The only thing sacred are the voters who put you there, that's it. Interesting story out of the state of Georgia. A black woman recorded herself confronting her neighbor who she claims makes racist shouts, slurs, makes these comments loud enough for her to hear. Here's the video. I can hear you. So like every time you say like the racist things, I can hear you. Oh. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Joking. yeah, like when you yelled the other day, I could hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right, let's put up his picture. Uh, this is a, an interesting story. Um, so in that he admitted to it, said sorry, said oops, sorry, uh, he's just playing. Uh, the text overlay on the video, she said, my neighbor literally yells racist things through the wall. I can't even escape racism in my own home. Joking, question mark. All right, so in an updated video, the TikTok user, her name is Sunshine Lively identified her neighbor as Stephen Ryan Fertrell Jr. And per his LinkedIn account, he goes by Ryan F, okay? So that's him, he is currently in Mercer University School of Law. He plans on sitting for the bar in North Carolina in July of this year. Sunshine Lively has emailed Mercer, but has not gotten a response from them. Ryan's originally from a place called Spartanburg, South Carolina. His mom, according to this narrative, is a day school director at a Presbyterian school. His dad is a project manager at a real estate development company, and he has one brother. This is an email sent by Sunshine Lively to her property manager about Ryan and how it has escalated. She wrote, and I quote, yes, I am and I'm becoming increasingly uncomfortable and feeling unsafe. Yesterday around 6 p.m. he yelled, I'll kill you. And the girl that lives there replied, you'll kill anybody. And he yelled, that's why I have these guns. He is yelling these things so I can hear them and it has become threatening, all right? So when the property manager spoke to Ryan, Ryan played dumb according to the story, saying he had no clue what Sunshine Lively was referring to, but promised the property manager he would be more quiet, all right? So while her update video has been taken down by TikTok, in one follow-up, in one follow up, she says the neighbor showed up at her door with the sheriff. He admitted to yelling the racial slurs to the sheriff, she alleges. He attempted to make the sheriff pretty much make me accept his apology. I told him I did not accept his apology because it was obvious he was doing this on purpose. She says she asked the sheriff to make sure her neighbor doesn't contact her again. She also says she plans to stay at a hotel for a few days and ask viewers to donate to her hotel fund via Cash App and Venmo. I am preparing for relocation. 
She said in response to a commentator who told her to break her lease and move. Now, this is actually, this has actually been interpreted in a divided way, all right? So the situation divided some of the people who were exposed to it, with some criticizing the TikToker under her original video and arguing the man should be able to say whatever he wants to in his home. Others argued he could have been playing a video game rather than yelling the racial slurs at her. All right, so basically there's a section of people saying, well, maybe he's calling the black people on the video game the N word. Maybe that's what it is. Um, and listen, he possibly is playing a video game, okay? I'm not saying that's not in the realm of possibility. But when you look at his reaction when she confronted him and he said, oops, sorry, I'm just joking. Uh, at that time, that's when you probably submit, well, I'm loud because it's a video game and I mean no offense by it or something like that, I don't know. Uh, while the online gaming community can definitely uh, sometimes be a little extreme, uh, it is known for using racial slurs. Uh, that has been a thing with some gamers during games, all right? Uh, in response to such comments, Sunshine Lively made another video in which she says she is being gaslit. Uh, it goes and I quote, Y'all really go out of your way to gaslight black women, and it's sad. I can imagine if a white woman said that she had a black neighbor who was yelling obscenities at her through the wall, y'all would lose y'all's minds, all right? Uh, this is really, really interesting because you are dealing with one aspect of a person is in the privacy of their home, but even in the privacy of your home, when the obscenities reach outside of that home, there are jurisdictions that have passed local ordinances that said, okay, that's a no, no, that's not protected, you can't do that. Now, what your freedom has done is impacted the freedom of others or impacted the quality of life of somebody else. Mercer, according to her narrative, has not responded. I thought this story was an interesting highlight of a person inside of a home being racist. And the question is, if this happened and these slurs are being yelled so loudly that black neighbors or neighbors at all can hear them, should this be something tolerated by an apartment complex or a housing unit that has multiple families or multiple people living there? All right, Ben, thoughts on this? Yeah, oh my God, there's so many layers to this. I mean, first and foremost, to the people who are trying to excuse this man for saying slurs, like, it doesn't matter. Even if you're playing a video game, you're still racist. I hate to break it to you. If you're, if you're saying slurs, you playing a video game is not an excuse. Okay, next on top of that, threatening to like kill people. If you can hear it from like one room to another, and yeah, his reaction did really tell a lot about what his thought process was behind all of that. It really did make it seem like it's more intentional. And then the fact of like trying to bring in the sheriff to her home, like this is something that we need to understand is that this type of violence, right? This vigilantism that is very popular in the United States doesn't really happen in other countries like it happens here. Depends on people categorically disbelieving marginalized people when they say, hey, 
I think this person might be threatening to commit some sort of act of violence. And people instead choosing to make excuses for privileged folks, in this instance, a white man, right, going out of their way to find any excuse to try and justify or explain their behavior, right? People who've been the victims of domestic violence are well aware of this. People have been the victims of you know racial violence are well aware of this. This isn't like a mystery. This isn't a mystery. This isn't something that you know, should be shocking to anybody. If if we're seeing somebody that says, yeah, this is why I have all these guns, is yelling racial slurs loud enough for people on the other side of the building to hear them, right? And the other side of the wall to hear them. That's something that should raise a little bit of alarm. And at a minimum is something that like the property manager should be dealing with. I mean, last time I checked in basically any apartment, there are basic rules about not making a disturbance for the other people yep. that are around you, you know? Yeah, and let's not miss this point. He's about to take the bar. He's worked hard to obtain his JD. And no matter what element of law you practice, there's always an interplay with race, race and status in this country. We need more lawyers who reject that kind of verbiage. Then embrace it. One of the problems with our justice system at large is the fact that we still have systemic racism and bias. Well, that comes from deeply rooted sentiment about who people are around you. So maybe this will be an opportunity for deep reflection and an opportunity for correction for this young college student. One of the saddest stories you'll hear, LA mom kills three of her children with the help of her teenage son. Such a damn shame, put up a picture full throttle, okay? Los Angeles mother has admitted to killing three of her seven children on Mother's Day with the help of her 16 year old son. Sunday morning, police responded to a report of an assault with a deadly weapon and found the three children. 12-year-old Natalie Flores, 10-year-old Kevin Tenez, and 8-year-old Nathan Yanez. Their cause of death was not released. Flores' three other children live out of state with their father, thank God. Officers said it appeared that the victims were dead for several hours and suspected they died sometime on Saturday. Neighbors told CBS LA that the mother of the children had been acting erratically on Saturday night. The mother was heard screaming, yelling, praying, and lighting candles at other homes on the street. I heard someone screaming, my family is abusing me, and all kinds of nonsense. I couldn't make out what it was. I guess at the time, she was in our neighbor's yard, burning a candle, and she had the Bible out. Another neighbor called 911 on Saturday when the mother started to act erratically. She was taken to the hospital for mental health reasons. Seven hours later, the 16 year old son went to a neighbor's house and said his brothers and sisters were unresponsive, which is when police found them dead. Flores was arrested on three counts of murder. A bail is set at $6 million, while her son was arrested on one count of murder being held without bail. This is such a, this is so horrific. This is so horrific. Now, this is a moment I'm going to highlight the reality of possible um, 
either extreme criminality or extreme mental health. When I saw this story, I literally had to research it from other outlets first. Because this is one of those stories where you don't want to get any detail wrong. You want to make sure the details are verified. I'm still perplexed why the 16 year old was charged and the mother obviously should have been charged. But it looks as if there was some significant influence on the 16 year old to be involved in this. This is one of those cases and and listen, I don't have significant detail beyond what I have shared. But the children who are not at the home obviously are alive. And if they were at that home, they may not be. But this is a tragedy through and through. But it's a reminder of why systems are important. Systems are important from mental health systems to rehabilitation systems, also to systems that create openness for young people to be able to call and say something is wrong here, I need help. Those systems not only have to be available, but they have to be known. Think about it this way, what if the 16 year old was aware of a person or a number that they can contact immediately when something is wrong? And what if they trusted that contact? This may not have happened, okay? But there's a divide. There's a divide between generations, young people in particular, and opportunity for remedy. Programs that are in place to help. There's a disconnect. That disconnect typically is because systems have failed a lot of people in this country. Ben, horrific story. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, like there's so much to go from here. Like, first and foremost, yeah, what you're talking about, these systems are super, super important. And this is where, like, like a lot of people see crimes like this and their immediate response is, you know, like they'll be thankful for like police existing. But like the reality is, is that what we should have is not a system that punishes crime, but a system that removes the conditions that create crime. And now without details, we can't say exactly what would have prevented this from happening. But I think we have a general sense of the different types of things that could prevent this from happening. That's not to say that after the crime happens, people shouldn't be held accountable, right? But also we need to look at what is leading to this happening. There's a reason why the United States, for example, has like more serial killers per capita than basically any other country, right? This is a this is a problem. And then the, the thing that breaks my heart the most about this is that 16 year old, right? I wish that we lived in a country that could do something to divert that 16 year old from potentially going to prison to going to some type of rehabilitation facility, some type of like anything that would help that teenager live a normal life, right? Because I mean, like if you're in a situation like this, right, you don't just like, you don't just commit a murder with your parents, right? That's not a thing that just you just randomly decide to do, right? There has to be some sort of like gradual escalation, some psychological manipulation, right? Some coercion. That's yep. not like teenagers don't just do that for fun, you know what I mean? And so it's it's really really heartbreaking to know that we don't have the systems that are necessary for that teenager to 
you know, hopefully be rehabilitated and live a normal life where they can be like safe, you know, and and they can be a safe person to be around others, you know. We got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we still got a lot of show left. Before I read some of these amazing comments, let me remind everyone, Twitchuation Room, Francesca, that is right after Indisputable, Twitch exclusive, all right? Go to twitch.tv forward slash TYT. There you have it, remarkable programming. Okay, Mickey C, the Silverhead Dragon, back in the 60s and 70s, while we were fighting, marching, and protesting for women's liberation, gay rights, civil rights, as we called them then. I used to scream that we needed a simple bill, equal rights for all human beings over 60 years later. And I no longer scream it, I just cry. Isn't that something? Nostra Science, keep assault guns, right wing politics, and Christian fundamentalist religion far away from the mentally ill. All right, Aaron Okinos, at least you can see who voted for and who voted against it. And hey, primaries are coming. That's exactly, listen, that's exactly what Schumer is doing, right? It's like, all right, we're gonna get some gas out of these miles here. We're gonna put them all on the floor. Why didn't we do this decades ago? Let everybody know that they stand against women. They stand against decency. They stand against the majority of the country. Um, Devon Finman says, oops, sorry. You heard me being a racist. Yeah. Um, God is for wins. I know we need that for this whole show, but Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Raven Hawk, uh, we need mental health care in this country. That's right. We do. Uh, East Village Boy, Manchin already said he ain't voted for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tara Barrio, I've never joked racist slurs. That's because you're not racist, Tara, that's why. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. We should be sorry for that. You're in Canada. Take a picture. Look at this. Take five of them. I'll pay you 50 bucks for that picture. Where's your FaceTime? Look at no, look at this. Learn English. Look at that. Look at this. Learn English. Learn English, por favor. I know how to speak English. Speaking. Yes. What do you want to say? I want to say what? Please speak English. You gorgeous. I know how to speak English. No, it's fine, baby. We're good. We're here. You know this? Huh? We're just walking around here and she just came in. Oh, I'm in a mood. Yeah. Why, why, not, why, not, why not minding your business? Please call the cops. I can't even see your face. Girl, please, we're just minding our business. Please, please call the cops. I'll give you 50 bucks to call the cops right now. You don't belong in our country. Look at that. Damn shame. And I have more video. There's a little girl crying because of the racism and bigotry of this Karen. One of the saddest things you'll see. Here it is. Take some FaceTime. Take some FaceTime. She's a gorgeous girl and this is your fault. No, no it's not. That's okay. 
Are you okay? Stay away from us, okay? You just hurt your own child. Stay away from us. What is wrong with you? Can you speak English? Shut up. Baby, it's fine. So that it's okay. This is, this is why we fight, right? We fight against racism, we expose racist people. Um, you know, we're adults. We have a different kind of skin because of the pressures we've had to overcome. We wanna make sure that children inherit a better world, right? Did you hear the terror in that child's voice? This, what happened to her because of that racist woman was so foreign to her understanding. It was so out of the norm for this child. Even though she was around her mother and her family, she felt vulnerable. She felt unprotected, she was scared. That's what racism will do and it shapes people. It restricts them, it makes them feel less than, it makes them shrink. We wanna make sure that that little girl and anyone else who has faced this kind of racism, especially if you are a child, not only are you empowered, you are strong, you are capable, you are enough. The individuals who say otherwise, they are the ones showing how small they are. The Karenicity obviously is insane in this one. According to the background, this happened in Canada, okay? This happened in Canada. And this was started because a family is speaking a language that the Karen does not understand. And this Karen says, you must speak English here. There's an entire research study, a lot of literature that's connected to how when people use language, when they say something like, you need to speak English. Um, there's research literature about what that really says in reference to them. Uh, that they feel as if the power structure should center around not only who they are, but also how they express themselves. And if you express yourself in a way that's different, uh, then they look at your status differently. There are some people who believe if an individual, um, if they cannot understand English as well, that somehow that makes them dumb. That somehow their intellect or brilliance is connected to their ability to know your language rather than their own. It's ridiculous, but true. That's how some people think. Ben, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, like at the systemic level, we need to understand that the systems and structures that have existed inside the United States and Canada have emboldened these people and not only emboldened these people actively encouraged it, right? Like I know we all like to pretend a lot of this stuff is ancient history, but like let's take for example in Canada, residential schools went on until like the mid 90s. Now in residential schools, they would literally take indigenous children away from their families and force them to speak English and deny them their ability to speak their own languages. They actively participate in a genocidal effort in order to erase entire cultures. And 
That is the environment. I mean, we're talking about the mid 90s, right? We're talking about the mid 90s. Okay, so let's think about this for like a second. That's in Canada, the United States done the same thing, right? We we have the same colonial history where the phrase speak English is something that with it has carried an extreme amount of violence that has literally killed like hundreds of millions of people over the past 200 years in the history of Canada and the United States. And so this is something that we need to understand that we have never in the United States or Canada fully reconciled with our own racist and genocidal histories. We've never truly reconciled with the reality of how these structures and systems we operate under came into being. And so the reason why you have people like this running around feeling so comfortable yelling at people to speak English, which mind you, in Canada, there are like two official languages for the government. There's this French and English, right? right? So really wild that it's in Canada. And that has to go into a larger trend of the United States exporting its racism to the rest of the world. Like for example, in Germany where swastikas are legal or illegal, they use Confederate flags instead. So that is the export that the United States has culturally. And it's it's something that unfortunately in this moment is resurging. It's, 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 it's resurging in a way that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and I know some people will push back on me being and say, well, you know, doc, she was drunk. I don't give a damn that she was drunk. I don't care. Uh, being drunk does not make you racist. Being drunk only eliminates the barriers that you normally would have from expressing yourself. But it's absolutely what you feel, it's what you believe. Uh, and sometimes that liquid courage gave you uh, what was needed for you to say it out loud. But it's inside of you. I'm glad it got exposed. All right, don't give a damn that she was drunk. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. My doors closed. Keep the noise down. This is not a public venue. This is a neighborhood. You, whoever's smiling, do you know what it's like to watch somebody drop dead of a heart attack? Well, you know what? You're not funny. Because neighbors, this is not a, this is no, 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 you cannot. This is not a commercial venue. Shut the up. Go to hell. Hey, she's a comic, it's cool. It's a, it's a, oh, God. Oh. Okay, this particular Karen committed about three or four crimes because she decided to disrupt a comedy show. I want you to notice that she was not removed by force. I guarantee you if a black male would have done anything like that, everybody in that venue, well, almost everybody, would have probably jumped on them. Definitely security, whatever security may have been available. But this particular Karen was able to not only disrupt the venue, but then physically assault. Let's put up the put up the screenshots of the physical assaults that took place. She not only punched one guy in the arm that's on the left, but on the right she also slapped him. Okay, 
Interesting. She was allowed to leave, okay? The privilege that obviously was intact was well known by this Karen. I don't think she was under any belief that her actions would cause her to be arrested, to be physically removed. I think she knew that she had an opportunity here to do exactly what she did. Now I get it, sometimes you don't like jokes. If you don't like a particular joke, you may not wanna go to a particular comedy venue. Being thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is just really wild. Like, I don't understand how somebody feels so comfortable doing something like that, right? Because she, like, I mean, she's running around hitting people, slapping people, stealing microphones. Yelling at somebody because she thinks he's not funny. Like, come on, we've all seen unfunny comedians, okay? Yes. <laughs> like, calm down. Um, everything about this is so wild, but like, it speaks to this reality where she feels as though she has the right to hit other people and also at the same time feel perfectly safe doing so. This is something that I think we need to understand where. If if that guy that she slapped, for example, decided to like turn it into a fight and defend himself, right? Then I bet you that she would be outraged and view that as like the greatest travesty that ever has happened, right? I mean, obviously we know that that wasn't necessary because she left when she realized everybody was booing her. Yep. Um, but but like this is just speaks to the immense degree of privilege where she feels totally comfortable doing that. And I kind of want to contrast that to the sh- to the the story we were covering earlier about the person yelling racial slurs from his apartment, yelling things like "I will kill you," right? Uh, so his neighbor could hear it, right? And what was the response to that, right? I think these things are very very much related. Where people can't have a backyard comedy show without people coming in and and yelling. Uh, but but what is the response, right? Who are the people that are forced to deal with it? And who are the people that are terrorizing their neighbors? Yeah, and listen, nobody does all of that without knowing they're going to get away with it. I mean, literally, not only did she go to the stage, she disrupted the show, she's starting to leave, she comes back, steals the microphone, physically assaults others, continues to be aggressive, continues to be threatening. Nobody does all of that in front of what looked to be a large crowd of witnesses to your criminal activity. Nobody does that unless they know for sure. Listen, what a damn thing happened to me. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. I'm kind of pressed for time, can't read many of them. Um, Abstract dragon, what's in that cup? <laughs> right. Uh, Free says, Karen's unhappy until they have ruined someone's day. Yep. Uh, May Money in the Building says, those people at that show were extremely nice. They really were, right? Um, to the angry Karen and the family. Uh, Yeetwood Mac, she legit has the Karen haircut. Um, <laughs> Karen that disrupts the comedy show, Mike Boy Rap says, I would have roasted her. Yeah, all right. Okay, anti-Karens unite. You screaming at employees at Walmart, get out of here. That's racist. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The United States 
official language, jackass. Anti-Karens, okay? So you saw exactly what happened. Uh, this Karen decides to do the, that's the typical, that's the startup racist kit, right? That's the starter kit. The starter kit is always, uh, what country are you from? That's the starter kit racism. It usually de-evolves into other things, but that's always the start, okay? Uh, this particular clerk, this store clerk, was very responsive, proud of his reaction um, by saying, what the, did you say? Right, listen, if I owned a store and you worked for me, you would be employee of the freaking year, all right? That's how you respond to Karen's, way to go. And then the recording, I need everyone to remember, there's more racism that was not caught in the recording. The reason why the recording started is because the racism had started, and so they started recording. So what we have on the recording is a part of the racism, all right? Uh, but the racism was obviously real. Now, here's the thing. We are very clear about what we do here on Indisputable as it relates to these stories. We do need more anti-Karens in the world, just like the individuals in this segment. We need more anti-Karens. We provide the mirror for reflection and an opportunity at correction. There's remedy, there are people that can be helped. I believe racism exists on the spectrum. I've lectured on this. Um, I may have some writings that come out very soon about it. But racism exists on the spectrum. There are some people who can actually be helped. But some of the help will have to be tough love, all right? Exposure is the first remedy that's necessary to disinfect. All right, Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And so, like, like first and foremost, we love the booing. I, I, I mean, I love the booing, like most definitely. Okay, um, but like it, the conditions that this creates is actually very, very great. And talking about speaking about tough love and helping people, if people are uncomfortable being racist, if people internally hold racist beliefs, but they know if they're in a public space that people will hate them <laughs> if they say and do racist things, that will force them to start to think in their minds, what is racist? What are the things that are gonna make people boo me in public? What are the things, and that requires them to get in the minds of other people around them. Cuz you have to start to think, how will other people feel about the way that I say and do things, and that exercise right there, just thinking about like, 
is this a racist thing to say? Is this a racist thing to do? Right? Starts to at least a little bit turn those gears a little bit, turn those gears and force people to be a little bit proactive. And that type of imaginative labor that is necessary to just live in a society. Um, I think at the end of the day will help people get a little bit of understanding. But it does require that tough love for people to get those harsh boos when they do yep. and say racist things. That's right. And Dr. King had a method when he was fighting against racists in the South. He needed to expose them through the media. And he made sure that people like Bull Connor and others were hyper exposed for their extreme bias and racism. And his strategy worked, it created a societal structure that said, no, this actually is bad. And we need to start working on remedy. Now, did he solve all of the problems? Of course not, but he definitely got it moving in the right direction. Because during King's era, only 6% of white people in America had a favorable view of Dr. King. Only less than 10%, you gotta think about how wild that is. And he was the master of nonviolence. He was a peaceful protester. He was the individual who said, let's find a way to work together. Only 6% of white America had a favorable view of Dr. King. Always good to have you on the show, Ben. If you can tell people how they can follow you, check out all of your great work. Yeah, uh, so if you you want to keep up with that, I'm up to uh, follow me at Benjamin Carollo on Twitter. Also, you can catch me on the Young Turks Twitch channel every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time with my show Galaxy Brain. And of course, on the Rebel Headquarters YouTube channel, uh, putting out content uh, almost on a daily basis there. Always fun, my friend, thank you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.